Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota on Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington. Home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. You're listening to Chicken Ann on Finance. Willing the good of Cinco de Mayo. The markets decide to come running back up. And speaking of running... Not everybody likes to run. Welcome, everybody, to Chuck and Ann on Finance, brought to you by IIE Financial. IIE Financial, willing the good of another. Visit us online, ieefinancial.com. Fill out the Contact Us form and let us know what we can do to help you plan your investment strategy. Also, give the offices a call at 832-953-4998. That's 832-953-4998. I am your host, Chuck Fulkerson, joined by my significantly better half, significantly today. It is so nice to be back. We had uh, two crazy weeks, <clears throat> one of which I was just kind of laid out. out sick. Yeah. Out. You were you were you were out and last you... Sunday was horrible. Yeah, it was you were rough. I think it was what about 18 hours you spent in bed last Sunday. Mm-hmm. This Sunday's significantly better though. It is wonderful. Sun is shining, the Great grass weather. is green. It's one of those days. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like uh, I will say though, we are we are rounding home, rounding third. For, for me as a baseball coach, because our baseball season is just about ended. And we had a, well, there's 10 teams in our league and we have our, our seating for the end of season tournament. This is a big deal. It's an end of season tournament. And out of the 10 teams, do you know where we're seated? 10th. That's because you didn't turn in a lot of the scores. Wah, 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 wah. We did win a couple of those. We did win it. We won a couple of them, but I just completely forgot to turn in the scores. But um, we're seated 10th. We're, we're, we're going to go in fighting hard. We're going to be the underdogs. It's single elimination. I may have the Rocky music playing when the five-year-olds storm the field. <laughs> they, they really don't care if they win or lose. They just want Capri Sun at the end. That's no, it. no. What they really want is the team race that you make them do at yes, the end. They yes. love that race. At the end of the game, we all have them line up on the wall and we, and we do a team race. Uh, and then they get their Capri Sun. I need my Capri Sun! And Cheez-Its! Yeah, Cheez-Its. Oh, man. you. I, I think a child could live on nothing but Capri Sun and Cheez-Its. Mm. Like they, their entire fuel system could just be powered. So uh, also Cinco de Mayo was this week. It was. Uh-huh. And yeah. we celebrate it in America way more than they actually do in Mexico. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, way to celebrate 500 Frenchmen getting slaughtered. But, you know. Eh, you know. Um, I wonder if you polled people, how many people would actually know what Cinco de Mayo means I'm gonna and go historically. With, I'm going to go zero percent and I would include myself in that. Yeah. I got nothing. Really? No. Yeah. I thought it was like 4th of July for Mexico. That's it's not. not. It's it's September not? 16th is actually Mexico's Independence Day. Oh, wow. And I got people nothing, in Mexico man. don't really celebrate Cinco de Mayo. The people in Puebla maybe do, but the whole rest of the country pretty much no? doesn't. Oh. No. Whoops. Well, we celebrated. With it was like- actually a historical event. In It was the Battle of Puebla. While the Civil War was raging in America, Mexico, uh, they, they owed some money to... 
France in particular, and England, and they figured out a way to compromise with England, but France wanted their money. So they sent ships over and attacked and there was the Battle of Puebla and the Mexicans lost less than a hundred soldiers or men and uh, the French lost over 500 and that was the Battle of Puebla on Cinco de Mayo. Really? Uh-huh. Wow, you guys didn't know you were going to get a little bit of a history lesson today. There you go. I, I, I celebrated with I That's celebrated like the cliff note version. I celebrated with some Torchies tacos and uh, some good and, friends and some friends and, and my and, famous margaritas, right? Which I will not share the recipe. You can't share for. the recipe. Pe- <laughs> people, people have been asking, <laughs> clamoring for the recipe, but you can't share it. I so, won't. but Friday was also a reason to celebrate because we actually ended the week higher uh, for for uh, for the first time in a while. We we ended Friday on a high note. We've had seven straight weeks the market sold off on Friday, and then the eighth week in a row it was flat on Friday. And now for the first time in nine weeks, the market actually rallied on a Friday. So we've talked a lot about that, uh, especially the last several weeks on yep. the show. Now, what did volume look like when it when it went up and rallied on Friday? Uh, you know what? It wasn't as anemic as most of the rallies have been. It, you know, most of our rallies have had what I consider anemic volume. Uh, but this one was, was not quite... I mean, it's, it's, it sounds bad to say not quite as anemic. But what we've seen on volume is, is that on big up days... The markets are uh, are are you know not as high a volume as on big down days, and that's going to be typical. But it's it's really bad when it's it's I and I use the term anemic. Uh, but I will say that on Thursday when the market dropped, like I'm just using the S and P 500, the spiders. On Thursday when the market had a big down day, we 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 had about 147 million shares traded. Um, which is a lot. The next day when the market had a big up day, we were less than 81 million shares. So about half the volume on an up day that we than we had on a down day. So mm-hmm. it's still definitely more on, you know, on the downside. Uh, but, you know, that was the third biggest volume day in the past week. So it was not a completely anemic day. Uh, as the prior day, you know, had way, way, way more volume, 100 and, you know, roughly 150 million shares versus about 87 million shares uh, yesterday. So my now, point, and that's on a micro basis, but sure, you know, day to day basis. But, you know, if we're looking at back to that, the, the, what was it February 5th or so, where we hit like the lowest of, you know, when we started dropping off. We we're still sort of basing sideways from, you know, between the range of where the bottom was when we dropped off at the beginning or end of January, beginning of February and the high of the market. We're yeah. just kind of sort of basing sideways. Yeah, we're we're completely inside of the range of three days worth of trading. So if right. you if you look back at a, you know, and, and we look at price charts a lot in in what we do and, and everything that we do kind of starts and ends with price charts. But if you look back at the date of J, uh, February 2nd to uh, February 9th, so call it a week. So from February 2nd, on February 2nd, the S&P 500 was trading around $281 a share. On February 9th, it was as low as 253 So call it uh, almost 30 points. 
30, $30 worth of movement in the S&P 500. So during that week, the market moved about $30 worth on the S&P, which is about 300 points of the S&P 500. Well, for the last three months, we've been inside of that range. So what took nine days worth of movement, excuse me, seven days worth of movement, um, we've now been three months inside of that movement. And we're still not quite back up, not even halfway back up to where the, the, the start of the fall originated from. So this definitely is more of a sideways market, uh, which does promote more people to look for yield. Uh, and by yield, we're talking about maybe I want to make three, four percent in dividend while the market's going nowhere. That's what really what I think a lot of people are looking for right now. So, you know, what was the impetus that caused Friday's market movement? Well, one of the big, big, big things, and there's a there was there's articles all over the net about why, but it was Warren Buffett came out and he bought a ton more shares of probably the most popular stock. Right. If I say pick a stock, everybody picks the same stock. What do they pick? Apple. They pick Apple. Everybody picks Apple. If I, it doesn't matter. I've taught classes all over the world to thousands of people. And if I say, somebody give me a stock, I would say that 90% of the time they say Apple. I, it's just without, without fail. Uh, and because Apple is just so well known, it's, it's the first name that pops into people's head when they think of the stock market right now. And when Warren Buffett comes out and says, you know what? I'm going to get more. Uh, I'm, I'm going to buy a lot more shares uh, and, and Warren Buffett had a lot of things to say about it. Yeah, Buffett called Apple, quote, an unbelievable company. And he pointed out that it makes far more profit than any other American corporation. Um, he, he, he was commented or quoted as saying that it's an amazing business. You can put all of their products on a dining room table. And that's not the way it used to be in this country. It's incredible to me, end quote. Yeah, so his endorsement of Apple helped it to get to an all-time high. Um, and and most people, uh, you know, uh, Apple had been uh, not out of the limelight, but it hadn't been as strong. It, it, it had really taken a, a bit of a bump. So in the last week, Apple went from 160 up to 184, um, you know, on two things, on a strong earnings announcement and then on what Warren Buffett had to say. Now, the opposite of that was Tesla. Tesla came out with with the worst earnings yet that they've ever reported. And they've been pretty terrible. And, and they've all been terrible. And what's funny is, is that though Tesla had terrible earnings, um, the stock went way down on its earnings report. But almost even more surprising were some of Elon Musk's comments. Um, Elon Musk is the, uh, you know, he's the head of Tesla. And when he when he speaks, people listen. And, you know, he's there's a lot of people that have been very concerned with with the way he speaks, right, with the with the with the way that he speaks as the leader of the company. Um, and Elon Musk, during the during the uh, during the conference call, he 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 said uh, he said essentially that that. You know, he he basically said that the company has cash needs, and the he called the he called the questions that people had. Those questions are just not cool. These questions are just dry. They they're boring me. Is kind of what he said uh, during the call. A and, tedious discussion. Yes, a tedious discussion. And 
the the problem with a tedious discussion and calling things boring is that the people that are on that call are your investors. The people that are on that call and the and the question about the Model Three demand and and the demand for the Model Three was Elon Musk said it was absurd that they were even questioning it because the reservations are so higher than production levels. But it just goes to show two completely different companies. One that's led by uh, one that's led by somebody who's very out front uh, and and bombastic and has never made a profit. And the other that who is widely regarded as the greatest investor in American history says is this is the strongest, most profitable company in America. And when you look at those two dichotomies, I think what it shows is you, you, you know, you've got to be able to discern what makes the right fit for my investment plan. And if you don't know what the right fit is for your investment plan, I challenge you, do you even really have an investment plan? So let's turn our attention to the news headlines. And every week we like to go through some of the news headlines that are hitting hitting the worldwide intraweb. But before we go, uh, I think it's important to talk about health and fitness. And when we talk about health and fitness, we've mentioned this before. Your sister is an amazing runner. Your sister's like, she's a marathon runner. Mm-hmm. She ran... Her uh, second ever marathon. She qualified for the Boston Marathon just about a month and a half ago. Right. Yeah. So she ran one, I think, in January. It was her first ever marathon. And she missed Boston Marathon qualifying time by like six minutes or seven minutes or something. And so her second marathon was at the Woodlands Marathon. And she qualified for Boston. And now she wants to run more. And now she's even talking about Olympic qualifiers and everything. Like she is a runner, mm-hmm. right? There are those who run and then there are runners, and what would you consider you? I spent too much time at, in the Navy running. So my running days are recreational at best. So for you, it's a sticker, 0. 0.0, right? Like you see those stickers on the car, 13.1, 26.2, 0. 0. 0.0. 0. I'd rather 0. do cardio and lift in our gym and that's it. Yeah, see, I am not a fan of running. I will do it. The other day I took I took Charlie, uh, our, our six-year-old lost his tooth, right? And so dad failed, by the way, he put his tooth under his pillow and he woke up the next morning and his tooth was still under his pillow. Yeah, totally. Dad, he woke up, he woke up crying. We don't don't go with the whole tooth fairy thing story. So there was no mythical creature to blame. Right. And he woke up crying, my tooth is still here. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll make you a deal. I'll take your tooth and we'll go get a toy later. And so I said that we'll go on a bike run. And for us, a bike run is where he bikes and I run. And I said, you know what? We'll run to the dollar store. I'll get him a nice little tiny toy. It'll cost a dollar. It'll be fun. And I'll go for a little run. Now, I thought that the dollar store, because we've driven it, we've driven that distance. I've, I've driven past it a number of times. And I kind of felt like it was about two miles away, maybe two and a half miles away. Because, you know, the road we live, we live in Kingwood, Texas. It's not very far from the highway. We live near the back half. And I thought it was two and a half miles away. Nope. Nope. Four and a half. Yeah, but you're like almost six three, four, whatever you are, you've got like gigantic legs. It's not that hard for you as opposed to myself, who's like a foot shorter than you are. It I was have to take terrible. like twice the number of steps that you so do. It, round up, <laughs> it wound up being a nine mile run. And I was angry at myself. For a dollar toy. For a dollar toy. It was the most expensive dollar toy ever. But our news of the weird today has something to do with running. Mm-hmm. And our, you know, each week we like to have our news of the... Weird, 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 weird. And our news of the weird this week, it comes from the Huffington Post. Uh, and it's, it is titled Texas Towns Point 5K 
Fun Run is a cakewalk, even for the lazy. Yes, you heard me right when I said point 5K. Mm -hmm. It's not a 5K. It's not a 10K. It's a half K. And this is your kind of run. So this is in uh, uh, Bourne, Texas, and they've got their Bourne Half K Run. Now, this is designed to raise money for charity, which is awesome. And there is a donut and coffee station halfway through the half kilometer run. Yeah, I love coffee halfway through. That's awesome. And for those of you who love beer... They will give you a pint of beer before the run. <laughs> so you get a pint of beer before the run. There's a donut and coffee station halfway through the run. And the run is only half a kilometer. I got to tell you, even you could do that one. It's maybe like, what, one and a half times around a track? Is that it? Well, as a VIP member, by the way, of the run, it's, a, it's, it's only 1,640 feet. As a <laughs> VIP member... As a VIP member, you can pay an extra $25 and be transported across the finish line <laughs> in a 1963 Volkswagen bus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I'd pay the $25 just to ride in the bus. Just to ride in the Volkswagen that's bus. Awesome. It's all for charity. With a cup of coffee. It's all for charity. That's what matters. That's great. Right? Mm -hmm. But this is the kind of running that I think I, I want to do the half K fun run. That's it's a cakewalk. It. That's it. And donuts and coffee in the middle. So there's one story that I found interesting. Let's let's go to a, a more uh, financial uh, focused story. And this actually has to do with the California market. And I and I want to talk about California, even though you know we're located here in Texas. And there, on more than one occasion, I, I worked with a company that was headquartered out of California. They asked me to move to California, and my answer was always very same: no, no. Um, because there's a. Uh, there's a net domestic migration in California that is way to the downside. Um, there is a huge uh, uh, crisis for people leaving California, and, and it's really starting to affect them on a negative side. Yeah, over one million more people moved out of California over the decade starting, at, starting in 2006 uh, than moved in according to a new report, due mainly to the high cost of housing that hits lower income people the hardest. Yeah, I mean, the state attracts a lot of highly educated high earners that can afford those the, the pricey homes. But, uh, you know, what happens is there's a lack of new construction because there's just not a lot of places for people to build that are that are that are affordable, if you will. Right. Yeah. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know how people, you know, afford, like we have lots of friends that live in California and the housing is just, it blows my mind and they can't believe that we can live in Texas for what we do. It's just orders of magnitude bigger, not even just a percentage change, just orders of magnitude difference. Yeah. And the thing to, the, the thing to think about California is that their homeowners spend an average of 21.9% of their income on housing costs. And renters spend 32.8% of their income on, on rent. Now, when you think about that for a minute, just, just think about that, that logically. That means that a, a fifth of your income is going to housing costs if you buy. And a third of your income is going to housing costs if you rent. So if you make... If, if you make $30,000 a year, 
Let's go higher. Let's say you make $60,000 a year. You're essentially paying $20,000 a year in rent. But here's the thing to remember. If you make $60,000 a year, you don't bring home $60,000 a year. Oh, because you've got to pay. What is that thing called? Taxes, right? So let's say you make $60,000 a year. You're, if you're making $60,000 a year, let's say that, that you're, you know, you're bringing home $40,000 a year. That's about right because California's got fairly high state taxes on top of that. So let's say you bring home $40,000 a year. Well, the median statewide rent in 2016 was $1,375. That's the median rent. And if you're going to be, uh, you know, let's just call it $1,500 to make the math normal. So if you're, remember, you make $60,000 a year, you bring home forty. dollars But if your rent is $1,500 a month for a one-bedroom apartment, right? Well, that, that, uh, the, the math on that works out to $18,000 a year. So now your bring home is forty grand a year, but you're spending eighteen grand a year. That's almost half. See, it says thirty-two percent is is what the renters are paying, but in reality, it's more like 45 percent because at, when you factor out that that's done post taxes. So what's the strategy that a lot of Californians are doing? They're leaving. They're up and fleeing, and they're leaving the state at mass numbers. And I think this is an interesting trend to look at, because as housing prices continue to rise, what you see is you see uh, that supply and demand continue to continue to go up and up and up. And, and, and as the price rises, it'll conti- the, the, the price will continue to rise as demand is still there. But once the price reaches a tipping point, and no one's going to be able to afford it, or very few people can afford it, that's when you see the prices fall. And where's the number one place that people in California are headed? Here, to Texas. Texas. The number one place that Californians are leaving is to Texas. And let's talk about why. Very simply, California's median home price, 549000 State income tax at the high end is about 13%. Texas, median home price, 295 state income tax zero zero percent so what you see is you see a number of californians saying you know what i'm i can't i can't handle this anymore this is just too expensive and they 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 pack up and they move and they head to texas now what is that doing for texas home prices well the i i want to say that over the past decade the four fastest growing cities in america in no particular order have been houston dallas austin and san antonio um and the reason that those are the four fastest growing cities in america is because of the mass exodus from california and then certainly there's a mass exodus from the rust belt states right um michigan Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. I mean, we're for, we're Pennsylvania products here that that uh, that that saw inexpensive housing and came down. And now the Texas home prices have gone up considerably as well. So the question is, do they balance out eventually? Right. Does does an eventual balance happen or does Texas just have so much availability of resources and land that it'll keep the prices down, um, you know, better for for a lot of people? So just something to consider. Yeah, and there are amazing, when you fly into the Houston area, there's not only a tremendous amount of land that they can still continue building on, but there is a tremendous amount of building that's still happening. And so much so that we have, they've, uh, they're, they're just about completed with the third loop 
around the city. We yeah. have three major loops about the uh, around the metropolitan area. Yeah, which which I mean makes traffic convenient. I mean because you can pretty much get anywhere. It's just it's just a long it's just a long way to go. Yeah. But I think for an investor, what what does that mean for you as an investor? Well, I think what it means for for investors is that it's not just you know, our 401ks and our IRAs, but is real estate a viable investment strategy for you? You know, one of the things that we've talked about on a couple of occasions is getting a real estate expert on the show and having a real estate expert kind of talk through what is some, what is, what are different ways to invest in real estate in your retirement accounts? And if that's something that you think you'd might like to learn a bit more about, give the offices a call, uh, 832-953-4998. And we just kind of talk you through what does that, what does that look like? And whether or not, uh, whether or not it fits your investment style is something at least worth considering. So what's coming up this week? There's a lot of things happening this week in the markets uh, that I think are worth talking about and some fairly important announcements as we are in the tail end of earnings season. So we had an earnings barrage last week and uh, and the earnings barrage, uh, the markets are, are now going to hinge on on other on other things right uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the S&P 500 index remains nearly flat, which we talked about, you know, at the beginning, we're sort of basing sideways really since the start of the year that that uh, original February drop off, um, having traded in a wide range over the past two months. And on Friday, the S&P 500 closed 1.2% higher at 26.63. But that's still about 7% below its January peak. That's and that seven percent decline from the height, right? It's seven percent from the height, and that is not. Notice, I didn't say the height. No, one of your personal it ends pet in peeves. a T, the not height. a TH. The height. No, the January peak height. No height. Yeah, that's right. It's not as bad as our our six year old who says that he eats breakfast because it fixes his muscles. Yeah, he says I eat breakfast because it fixes up your muscles. No. Can't get him to say fast. Yeah. Break fast. Breakfast. Breaks the fast. Anyway, anyway, back to our back to our height of the January peak. Height. On the height. Ah, oh, height. Back to the height of the January peak. So we're down 7%. 7% is not a tremendously large number. Uh, but we were down a little more than 10 from from the uh, from those all time highs. And there's a lot of question in people's minds as to whether or not we're gonna retest. Uh, those highs. And, and I think part of the problem is how we're how the market's pricing, pricing things right now. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about recent uh, volatility in the market. And we talk about volume and what price looks like with corresponding volume. But the market cannot accurately price in all of the potential risks of trade wars. And with the when, when we're talking about the global implications of what's happening, you know, right now politically, um, we're we're not sure if well, the market is not sure if it can accurately predict all yeah. of these risks. And I think that's what scares people, right? Between between North Korea, South Korea, you know, they're all getting along. It's it's now kumbaya. It's like, now it's like kumbaya. They're sitting around a campfire roasting marshmallows, singing kumbaya. Um, and then also, I think what's more important that. There's very little progress being made between Beijing and Washington about the about the as President Trump calls grossly unfair 
trade uh, trade tactics, right? So China has a has a complete advantage over us, and the U.S. they, they you know we we suffer about a two hundred billion dollar trade deficit to China. They do, but about last week they did acquiesce to a lot of Trump's negotiating demands. Yeah, but is the acquiescence? I bet you didn't even think I knew that word is the acquiescence to the negotiations uh, and to the demands a sign that China is cracking or is it something that they realize that they probably have to do? Uh, I think I think that's a big question. Yeah, I think it's the latter. Yeah, because if you feel like they have to do it uh, because we're their number one customer, right? It's really what it comes down to. And I actually saw and this kind of a, this kind of bothered me. Uh, I was on the Jimmy Kimmel show and I'm not politically charged. I'm not trying to be politically charged at all, but the Jimmy Kimmel show uh, as a, uh, because president Trump had tweeted out that we've already lost the trade war with China, right? This is not a trade war with China. We've already lost that because we have a $200 billion deficit. And, um, the Jimmy Kimmel show, he had on a young, uh, a little girl who was a fifth grader that explained how trade works and how, how it's, it's okay that we're in a deficit. And, I just it frustrates me the narrative of of uh, of both sides way overarching. Right. And and to for somebody to say, well, it's OK that there's a deficit because what we even though we we're down in the money side, we have more goods and services. We have what we paid for. But you know what we don't have anymore? The jobs on the production side, because we're only doing the imports because they have a completely different labor and economic policy and system so they can afford to make things at a cheaper price. And I think that that gets lost a lot of times in the shuffle of this. A lot of times in the shuffle of this is what is the what is the what is the average Chinese workers life like? compared to the average American worker's life like. And when we're buying super cheap products, all we're doing is continuing to spread that narrative of what I think is poor humanitarian conditions, if you will, by compared to what we have here. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to what we talked about with Joseph Pierce last week. Are the dollars that we are choosing to spend making the world a better place or a worse place Yeah, and making the lives of people who make the products that we're buying a better, better or worse. Right. I mean, his book, small is still beautiful was all about the concepts of supporting small business rather than big business. But, but whether it's big business or small business in America, we can't compete with the economic and labor policies that China has. We just we just can't do it. We pay our people more. We've got a higher standard of living. Um, and and we in turn are are going to you know, we want to buy our stuff for as cheap as possible. And the reason we buy our stuff for as cheap as possible is because we've lost a lot of the higher paying manufacturing jobs, forcing people to buy things that are imported. So the effect of these tariffs that have been that have been so bantered about is an important thing for China to stand up and take notice and say, okay, well, we may not have that same advantage built in anymore. So there's also things to watch for this week on the economic calendar. And the first one being the U.S. inflation data. So the the Commerce Department is going to publish its April inflation figures on Thursday morning. And, you know, what investors need to do is to study the numbers to look and see what's the trend of inflation. Markets are expecting 
consumer prices to go up about three tenths of a percent, which is a complete snapback from last month's decline. Um, and core inflation is going to go up about two tenths of a percent. So is inflation a bad thing? Not always. The, the market has been fearful of inflation. But if we see uh, that gain, then I think we'll see the market sell off a little bit. CPI is projected to climb 2.2%. CPI is our, our, our core production, um, our, our uh, consumer price index, excuse me, our consumer price index, which is our measurement of inflation, 2.2%, which is a little faster than the 2.1% that was the prior month. Now, the market has shown that it does not react favorably to inflation data. Yeah, besides the inflation data, this week's calendar also features reports on producer prices, weekly jobless claims, as well as a preliminary reading on the Michigan consumer sentiment. Yeah, and all of those are are built around all of those are built around really the pricing side. Right. And, and what those lead to do is that they lead the central bank toward raising interest rates faster than than previously expected. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the market basing sideways, but we already know that there are going to be at least three rate hikes from the Fed this year. So knowing that information, the market always prices these kinds of news and economic data in because the Fed controls monetary policy. So the market reacts accordingly. So do you think that some of this basing sideways is already pricing in this these inflation hikes. I think that this basing sideways more, rate than, hikes, more than pricing in the rate hikes is the uncertainty of what the rate hikes are going to do and how fast they're going to go. And the, 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 the central bank currently is forecasting two more rate hikes in 2018. And there's going to be a number of Fed speakers that are speaking at a lot of different areas this week. Uh, and so there'll be uh, investors will kind of keep an ear to what's happening. What are those Fed speakers saying and what may drive those markets? So and that's, also drive what the value of the dollar, right? Treasury yields, things like that as well, right? Yeah, the treasury yields, I think, are something that, that people are going to be very concerned with. And, and really, it's, it's been one of those weeks where, though the yields have remained roughly unchanged in the treasury markets, we've seen the prices kind of move up and down. The third thing to, to watch for this week is that earnings season is starting to wind down. So we had huge earnings last two weeks. So we got about 40 companies are going to re- 40 companies out of the S&P 500 are going to report this week. Um, uh, companies like uh, companies like NVIDIA, I think, is going to be a big one that people are going to pay attention to. Uh, uh, Yelp is actually posting earnings. So so some of those big ones that are that are going to come out with with earnings early in the week. We had Disney earnings, Electronic Arts, uh, you know, very consumer focused. So later in the week is a little bit more technical focused. Beginning of the week is a little bit more consumer focused. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, the Disney and the AMC numbers are reflected as far as AMC, you know, entertainment group. What is the the recent movie box office surge done for both Disney and AMC, you know, between record two, like basically two record breaking movies in a row uh, from Infinity War to Black Panther, both of them well over a billion dollars in box office revenues. What is that going to mean for for those two stocks? Right. How is that going to how is that going to show up and play a part? And it may be a little late for the Infinity War earnings to show up on the on the uh, on the earnings statement. But I think it is going to play a part into the guidance of, of what happens for AMC and Disney as well. 
So those are, you know, and then some international things to pay attention to. The Bank of England has got some some news coming out and China is going to release its April April trade figures. And if if that surplus continues to go there, if that surplus shows that that the China surplus is getting larger, what that may do is scare a lot of American investors actually away in the markets, because uh, if we see the China surplus getting much larger, President Trump uh, may tighten the screws a little bit on some of those uh, on some of those 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 trade negotiations as as I think a lot of people have heard and my question for everybody it always comes back to this all of this news that's coming out this week how does it affect your investment plan and if you don't know what your investment plan is then what's going to be your reaction when the market does move one way or the other so all in all, a lot of cool things happening this week. Uh, just make sure that you keep your focus as always. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, please make sure that you visit us uh, on our daily YouTube channel. I've uh, I've been putting a daily YouTube channel up for those of you that are a little bit more on the trading side and a little bit more technical savvy. You can go to uh, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash Chuck Fulkerson. Catch our uh, catch our daily market commentary video on on what happens throughout the day. So Annie, anything else you want to throw in for the week before we wrap it up? Uh, just happy to be back in the co-pilot seat after a, a crazy week last week and just invite you guys to to visit the website iiefinancial.com. Uh, there's loads of information on there that would be really helpful for, for everyone uh, to make sure that you are taking your investment plan very seriously in our media section. There's not only archived records of this particular show, but there's also dozens of articles that Chuck has written on a variety of topics. And also on the website, you'll see not only what our investment philosophy is, but links to our social media outlets, um, including uh, the YouTube channel for Chuck himself and also for IIE Financial separately, where we've posted some free educational videos for, for everyone to, you know, if you're doing it yourself, great. And also, if you you might learn something, and and also if you want to look at that, just to see how we would uh, care for and help you be a good steward of the money in your in your possession. So I invite you guys to to go on there. There's a wealth of information, and look out this summer because we are will be build continuing to build that video archive of education. And so uh, get yourself all caught up so you'll be ready for the new stuff. Awesome. All right. See y'all. See you all next week. Thanks so much. IIE Financial is an investment advisor representative with Symphony Financial, a registered investment advisor. Charles Fulkerson is an investment advisor representative with IIE Financial and Symphony Financial, LTD Co. Annie Fulkerson is not registered nor affiliated with Symphony Financial. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Symphony Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. IIE Financial does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We want to help others, especially in places of strife such as the Holy Land where Christianity is dwindling by the day. But how to help? Here's an easy way. Buying products through the Holy Land gift shop. Every product you purchase at myfranciscan.org shop helps Christians support their families and stay in the Holy Land. Olive wood, embroidery, spices, and many more authentic products from the Holy Land are available right now at myfranciscan.org shop. The Holy Land gift shop, bringing the Holy Land home. 
I learned how many people we could help and how good you feel after you've helped others. I know Lent is about giving, so I want to give. These kids are talking about CRS Rice Bowl, a Lenten program known by generations of Catholic families. Children love it because they experience different cultures and gain a lasting impression of the people they are helping. You can bring CRS Rice Bowl into your home and experience the joy of seeing your children or grandchildren find new meaning in Lent. Visit crsricebowl.org to get started. Rice Bowl inspired me to pray more and to pray for those who are less fortunate. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.